As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And then there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working On Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. This program will provide guidance and inspiration from people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond nine to five. It's Working On Purpose. And now here's your host, Elise Cortez. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. I'm glad you're with us this week again. If you've been tuning into the show, then you know my whole mission is to bring you interesting guests who have been who found a way to really meaningfully connect with their work and make it part of their lives in a, in, in a fulfilling way. So recently, we had Annette Anderson, who described her journey. Um, she was a healthcare executive, then wanted to be a life coach, and then became an ordained minister. And so she shared her profoundly powerful connection to her work. Uh, we also heard from Kimberly Davis, who founded a company called Onstage Leadership. She's all about helping people bring their authentic self into their work and their leadership roles. And that's what she tries to do every day herself as well. So, of course, I applaud the whole authentic piece tremendously. And then we heard from Dan Chabelle, who is the author of Promote Yourself and Me 2.0, Steps to Building Your Future. So he gave us lots of tips about how to really elegantly promote ourselves to develop our careers. Important things for all of us, I think, in this age. So in the coming weeks, we'll hear from Ellie Teagues, who's the executive director of an organization called Window on a Wider World, or WOW for short. I love that. (laughs) It's a nonprofit Texas organization which focuses on helping children learn through arts and cultural programming. So I think that's going to be an interesting show, too. So, you know, for me as your host, it is such a privilege to get to have such meaningful conversations with my guests and and get their wisdom, their, their inspiration. So I learn something new each and every interview, and I hope you do, too. So this week, we get to talk with Donald Thompson, who, among many other things, he has a long list of things that we could use to describe him, but among them are entrepreneur, author, and business strategist. 
Um, the other thing that's cool about Donald is that he also subscribes to this idea of working on purpose. So uh, you'll learn lots of things from him, I think. So as you probably know by now, I like to tell you how I find my guests. And it was wonderful that Donald and his assistant found me. So they, they saw my show, heard about it, and thought, you know what? We're all about working on purpose. We talk about that all the time. And so we had a phone conversation together, and we were of like minds. I loved his background, his story. He has a lot to share with us, a lot for us to learn from. So welcome to the show, Donald. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun. I, I only have about 600 questions for you in this short amount of time. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so the first one is, is super simple. Just if you would introduce yourself, however it is that you introduce yourself these days and all the, the things that you're into. So, sure. So, my name is Donald Thompson, and uh, I usually uh, let people know it's Donald Thompson Jr. My, uh, I'm the son of a football coach and uh, grew up in an athletic background. Um, in terms of how I'd introduce myself, I would talk uh, both the business and a little bit, uh, you know, personal. I'm 43 years old, um, been a North Carolinian for really the last 25, 30 years, um, but moved around quite a bit uh, because of my dad's uh, career uh, in, the, in the football world. But uh, settled in North Carolina and I started on that journey uh, as both an entrepreneur and uh, technical sales rep in the IT services industry. And that's really in, you know, 1990s, early 90s is where I got my start professionally. And then from there, I developed from the sales journey into management and then ultimately into different areas of leadership that uh, provided me the opportunity not only to succeed in a corporate environment, but also to uh, take some of the both wisdom and uh, some of the financial gain uh, from that daytime job, if you will, and put into some other ventures that have turned out pretty well. Wow. That was a very succinct way to describe an awful lot of time, Donald. Well done. <laughs> um, well, since you said that, I was gonna, I've got so many different, different angles that I could talk with you about your, what you've done and where you've come from. But one of the things that I loved about our phone conversation was you know, really how you described how you've come up along the way and learned. And, and there's one way that I would describe that, and I don't know if you've, you use this term or if you agree with it, but it's just grit. Yeah, I, I would subscribe to that, right? I mean, I think that many of us are blessed with certain skills, tools, certain aptitudes, right? Certain people have an athletic uh, gifting. Certain people have a musical gifting. Some people are good in math. Some people are good with people. But we all have the ability to regulate our effort. We all have the ability to determine if we're going to go the extra mile, so to speak, if we're going to move forward uh, in spite of uh, things that may be uncomfortable. You know, one quick example uh, is when one of uh, the companies that I was leading in uh, 2007 uh, was going through uh, a bit of a tough time. Losing money is typically a tough time. Figuring out how to meet payroll is kind of a tough time. We could have kind of closed up shop. We could have, um, you know, tucked our tail and ran. But what we did was we banded together. We served our customers better and then flipped it and turned that company into double-digit growth for the, for the next six years after that. And so I would definitely, you know, subscribe to grit being a key differentiator in those that succeed big uh, and those that are kind of on the sidelines as spectators. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to talk more about your earlier career, but, but for now, on that cue, one of the things that you said on the phone that I also thought was interesting is you said that you had a, an economic and emotional connection to your work. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I think most people, if they really sit down and, and really think about it and reflect, don't work just for money. 
Uh, and, and what I would say even more succinctly is most people don't work at their maximum capacity just for money. And so what I figured out as an individual is in order for me to make the most meaningful impact in anything that I did, I had to choose where I put my effort. And so I started to look at businesses, jobs, companies that I could be a part of that I felt an emotional connection with the purpose of that organization. Now, that doesn't mean it had to have some kind of spiritual or nonprofit. Uh, I started in 1996 with a, a company that had seven employees. And my mentor, Grant Willard, I watched him build a company from the ground up into something very, very special. That had an emotional impact on me because I saw as we grew from seven people to 10 people, from 15 to 20, there were more people that had jobs. There were more people that had good health insurance. There were more people that had business opportunity. And so I saw an entrepreneurial way to take an emotional connection, create economic value, and how those two things kind of worked hand in hand. And that care... Uh, along with kind of the corporate focus uh, is something that I think is a secret sauce in business, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. You know, so going back to what we said before about grit and just listening to how you talk, Donald, um, where does this motivation come from? Where is your inspiration coming from? Oh, that's a, that's a pretty deep, deep question. And uh, it comes from a couple of different places, but I'll use one uh, really neat example. Um, my grandfather, uh, in a very, very small town in Bogalusa, Louisiana, uh, an African-American in times where uh, people were segregated based on the color of their skin, had his own taxi business, and he was an entrepreneur. And when I talked to my granny about how our family built itself, I don't take for granted anything that I have and the opportunities that I have. So in my mind, every single day that the sun comes up gives me the opportunity to be better, to do better, uh, and to serve. And that mindset, in a very, very sincere way, means that I'm more passionate, I'm more committed than most of the people that I'm, com- that I'm competing with. And I, I think personally that whether it's the, the country that, that we live in, whether it's the skills that we've been blessed with, why not take full advantage of those things, right, so that you can pass them on? I'm motivated by my 15-year-old son, who when he was five years old, he would ask me after coming home from work, Daddy, did you sell something today? Because at five years old in our home, we knew that I had a base salary, but if I sold something that day, that the world was better in our house. And so the motivation to do well was because I didn't want to squander any opportunity, number one. And then number two, I did not believe that it was someone else's responsibility for my success. I believed that as long as I had a reasonable opportunity, not even a fair opportunity, but a reasonable opportunity to make it, that it was up to me to to turn that motivation into meaningful monetary gain uh, for me and my family. Well, that's gorgeous, and of course, I wholly applaud what you said there, and, and I'm not surprised to hear you say that, and I love how you cascade that into your family, too, Donald, such great lessons for your kids, that's just, and I have a couple more questions later on I want to ask about those kids, but um, it was just killing me, I heard that in your voice, there's such a, kind of an intensity in your voice, and I wanted to know where it was coming from, and that was, that was wonderful. Uh, well, so along those those lines, that you know, the meaning part. You know that one of the things that I spend my time in is is researching how people connect to their work and why do they find it meaningful and how do they find it meaningful. So, would you say a bit more about how you're connected? You're clearly looking for ways to stay connected in a meaningful way to work. You seem to be seeking those things, um, not waiting for them to come tap you on the shoulder. But so, what else do you find meaningful about the work you've been doing? 
So one of the things that uh, is very specific way to answer that question is the opportunity for a give back, right? What is that leadership legacy? And there's lots of ways to do it. Some people give to universities and different things, and their name is on a building and different things like that, and all those things are fantastic. And then others are very, very focused on building the next generation of leaders, and their give back is around mentorship. And I've been very, very fortunate to work with a lot of uh, young people in that Generation Y uh, mindset that sometimes don't get a fair shake, that sometimes are branded as entitled and not hardworking and different things, but really just want an opportunity to make their way in a performance-based environment. And so one of the things that gives me true meaning uh, to my work each and every day is the opportunity to help people perform at their best. And sometimes that's tough love. Sometimes that's encouragement, and sometimes it's a little bit of both. But the end result is when people look back on their time in association and partnering uh, with what we're doing from a corporate standpoint, I want people to feel like they were better off for having worked with me and around me uh, and a part of the teams that I'm on. And, and I get a personal benefit big time uh, by seeing people succeed. And it's, it's really, to expand on that, you know, hopefully without rambling, it's really the coach's son in me. It just so happens that I didn't pursue that in an athletic arena like my dad, but that same mentoring and coaching mentality that was passed down from my grandfather to my dad to me has just been uh, implemented uh, in a more corporate setting. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go back to that. I do want to hear, because you've done so much in a short amount of time. You're only 43 years old. You're a spring chicken, really, by many standards, Donald. Did you know that? <laughs> well, I appreciate it. <laughs> spring chicken. So but let's, take, let's go back. For those people on the, on, the, on the line out there listening who maybe are just getting started, let, let's hear about how it was. You navigated college. You went to college. I know you played football in college. Let's hear a little bit about that experience. For example, what were you studying? That's yeah, absolutely. So, so I studied finance. So while I was still finance, in, in okay. school, I thought it was, you know, I don't know if your listeners will remember, but maybe they can Google it. You know, there was a, a, a movie called Wall Street, right, with Michael yes. Douglas. And, yep. uh, and Gordon and Gordon Gecko was the premier character, right? And, and his mantra was greed is good. Well, at 18 years old, 17, 18 years old, I thought that was awesome. I was like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and so I studied finance, not for any emotional reason at that point, except for trying to get money. And, and I figured that was the best way to do it. And then shortly through that career in school, two things occurred. Number one, I figured out I was not going to the NFL. <laughs> Uh, I got to college, and uh, I realized that I had achieved the height of my athletic success uh, in, uh, in in football. And then the second thing is that I didn't want to be a financial broker. I didn't want to be calling people with money. I wanted to find out how to be on the end of the phone to where I was the entrepreneur. I built the business. I was the one that the brokers were calling. And so it kind of flipped in my mind of what and who I wanted to become. And so that's when I started to really look uh, aggressively at entrepreneurial activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in, in our conversation via phone, you didn't actually finish college, did you? I, I didn't finish college. Actually, at, uh, at, the, at the age of 19, uh, I started in a, in a retail distribution business of my own that went well for a number of years, did, did really, really good, and then fizzled out a little bit. But I really started to chase that dream and vision of doing and building some things on my own. And so I left the uh, athletic and the academic piece behind. And here's the real 
kind of thought process that I had. And I remember interviewing for a sales position uh, with with uh, with a very senior member of a, of a company. And the gentleman looked at me and said, well, why should I hire you when you weren't even committed enough to finish school? And and I kind of took it back because he was just he was challenging uh, a component of my of my record that was accurate for sure, but the way that he said it was was very forceful and not necessarily positive at all. Why should I hire you? You didn't even finish, you didn't even finish college. Mm-hmm. And my answer really defined who I am today, and and at that moment why they hired me. I said I'm going to sell a million dollars of software next year for someone. Either it will be you or your competitor you choose. And my college ah. degree will have very little to do with whether that money comes into your company or someone else's. I love that, Donald. And, 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 go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I, was, and I got the job. Uh, <laughs> so. you know, I, I love that story. I didn't know that story, and I'm so glad I asked. Um, but I know that my listeners will keep me honest. I think there's at least two other examples of pretty amazing people who also didn't finish college. Uh, let's see. I think they're Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. Um, yeah, they did, they did it, okay. <laughs> yeah, they did okay. So, what, one of the things I love about your story is that you know some people don't need to go to college, and and, it, and they do just fine. Thank you very much. And I think part of one of the reasons I like your story is that you have found a way to really work hard and adjust your mindset, keep yourself mentally strong, and really understand your value. And so much of that, it seems to me, from a limited time that I've known you. That's how you've governed your career, and it seems like it's made a pretty big difference in, in your success. There's a couple of things, and, and I, I appreciate that very, very much. Um, one thing that it did is I couldn't take anything for granted because every time I inter- in early in my career, when I interviewed for a job and I was considered for a promotion, it was a it was a ding on my resume. It was it was something that I had to overcome, and so I had to decide very early on that performance was going to be my pedigree. And not a uh, you know a degree on the wall, and that drove me. And um, you know now I have a lot of folks with MBAs and some PhDs and uh, a lot of degrees that that work with me and, and, and for me. And I applaud their academic success, and and they cheer for uh, kind of the the different route that I that I took uh, to a little bit of success. Hmm. Well, you know it's interesting. I come from a very entrepreneurial family. Also, Donald, um, my parents were first farmers in central Washington state, and then they got on the restaurant business in Oregon, and uh, they don't have a college education, and they, they did extremely well. And so when it came time for me to graduate high school, um, they really weren't focused on uh, going to college. To their perspective was it takes time and money away from earning other money. Why would you do that? <laughs> so I didn't go to college until I was 24, and then I got the bug, and you know the rest is history. But um, I really appreciate that you've you've been able to track that journey and make it work for you. And then, you, as you say, you know, success speaks for itself. And and then you know, it's kind of it's a moot point. Um, but I really wanted to make sure that our listeners heard that part of your story because I know there's a lot of people out there that you know don't think they should go to college, really aren't probably the right people to go to college, and will do just fine if they find a way to really plug themselves in. That's exactly right. I mean, the thing I would add to that is I would hope that it encourages people that you may not have that perfect kind of background that an employer or that an organization may seek, but that doesn't limit your ability right, to win in the end. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I, I believe that to my core. Yeah, I do too. And, and and at that note, Donald, time for for a break here. 
Uh, so listeners do it on the air with Donald Thompson. He's been sharing his experience and, and his connection to his work. And I love hearing his about his early story of how he got his start. That was a fantastic story. You can learn more about him by visiting his website at donaldthompson.com. After the break, we're going to hear more about his, his history. And I want to hear more about your mentors after the break. Stay with us. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. You're listening to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 561-623-9429. Again, that's 561 561- 623-9429. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, and we're here with Donald Thompson. So picking up where we left off, you were talking about that early start you got in your career, and that was such a great story. And you did mention earlier in the conversation something about at least one important mentor, and I know mentors are important to you, so I know along the way that had to help your own journey. Would you say more about these mentors? How did they come into your, into your, journey, into your path, I should say, and what did you learn from them? No, I, I, it's a wonderful question and something I'm very passionate about. So, you know, earlier in the segment, I mentioned Grant Willard, who started a company called iCubed, and I was employee number seven. And, you know, a quick story about me being hired that I, I relate uh, to many folks is his job offer was about $10,000 less than three other offers that I had. Um, and in 1996, that was a significant amount of money. It's a lot of money now. Uh, but in 1996, that was a huge difference uh, for me. And I said, Grant, you know, what is going to make me take this job over some others and, and your your dollar value is less? And he, he very uh, clearly described, he said, listen, I can't offer you any more right now. We're a small company, but we always pay our bills and we have no debt because we're conservative with our cash. But if you believe you can sell like you've portrayed to me, then your commissions will more than make up for it. And number two, I'll teach you how to run a business, not just be a sales guy. And most other people that you're looking to work for are just going to give you a cubicle, a phone, and a phone book. And I took the opportunity that he was truthful to his word. And Grant and I worked together over a decade. And with many walks around our building, with many cups of coffee, with many lunches, uh, he taught me not just how to be a great sales professional, but how to run a technology company. And that insight and knowledge uh, has really changed my life. I can't really understate how much that one decision made uh, in my professional pursuits. Um, Another mentor that I would say that's much more personal uh, would be my dad. And, you know, I I was able to, uh, as a young person, be around very highly competitive, very successful college athletes. Uh, My dad coached, uh, at one point, three number one draft choices in a row uh, at the position that he coached at various colleges. He was very, very successful in that field. But I got to watch him prepare. I got to watch 
his team's practice. I got to watch how they worked through adversity. And I also got to watch my dad's name in the paper when he got fired some years. And so I knew the ups and downs of winning and the pain of losing and then how he responded to that. And he would teach me those, those winning lessons as a part of just growing me up as a man. And then those things helped translate uh, to me also as a business person. Mm-hmm. You know, what I think is gorgeous about that, Donald, is I do, I, as a person who has been involved in the human capital camp for about 17 years and started in, in talent acquisition, uh, the importance of finding a mentor along the way is, is just so incredibly huge. And finding the right one, being, being aware enough to notice that, hey, this one could be the one, uh, paying attention That's to right. that. And sometimes, yeah, right, sometimes taking a little bit of a risk in so doing in order to get that benefit. I think that is brilliant on the part of how you've navigated your career. That's brilliant. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, and then related to that, uh, you know, I think what you've been talking about with these mentors is the leadership that they illustrated. But, and I also know that for you, leadership is a big deal and that you've mentioned that you really want to leave a legacy. So can you say more about that? First, what do you mean by a legacy and why is it important for you to do this? Yeah, I, I appreciate that question. So two things. One is that as I've started to develop my own personal uh, both track record and perspective uh, on leadership. I've started the process of documenting those thoughts. And so I offered an ebook called Time Choices because I really wanted people to understand that you can do anything that you want, but you can't do everything that you want all at the same time. And that the way you not manage your time, because a lot of times you have a boss, you have kids, you have uh, personal things, you have health issues that people are overcoming, you have weather. Your time is not always in your, in your control. There can be roadblocks. But the choices that you make about how you spend your time, who you spend your time with, and what you spend time on are within your control. And those are some of the elements that have developed my leadership philosophy so that it can look like I'm doing many things at once, but the reality is I have things in priority so that I am working the heaviest load on the most important, and then I have priority two, three, and four that I'm making progress, but maybe they're at a little bit of a simmer. And so from a leadership legacy standpoint, I've started to document some of the things that I believe firmly. We're also working on uh, a book that goes a little bit deeper both into my life, my perspective, and then some of the pursuits that we've talked about. And its current working title is The Unlikely CEO. Because if one looks at my picture, if one looks at my pedigree, if one looks at my background, it doesn't seem likely some of the successes that we've had. And I think it's important both from a family standpoint, because I want my kids and my kids' kids uh, to be able to look at uh, the lens that I've seen uh, opportunity in life and have that perspective and document that. And then number two, I think there's a lot of folks out there that need encouragement that no matter where you start today, you can move forward and you can make it. And, and I think the documentation of some of the things that I've worked through uh, can, can help a lot of people. And I hope to do that. Mm-hmm. So when do you hope to release this book? So we've just started the process. So we're working with a couple of very talented uh, writers to, to craft those ideas, um, both from me personally, from my heart, but actually to put in a manner uh, that's compelling. So to be about nine months from now, um, which, which will be pretty exciting for us. Mm-hmm. I can totally appreciate that. I, I will, I'll say two things to that. One is when you talked about the prioritization thing, I completely applaud that. It, it is so true, Donald, that we might be in the same mind someplace. I'm not sure, but <laughs> <laughs> um, that's kind of scary, isn't it? 
Um, but uh, what, one of the things I appreciate about what you said about the prioritization piece, and I, I so think that's great for our listeners to hear. I also try to live that, too, on a regular basis, like you, am working on a book, uh, my first book. Um, and I, the way I do it is the first thing in the morning when I get up at 5 is I spend those first two hours focused on that effort because it's the most important thing to me right now. And I, so I love what you talked about with the prioritization. Is we only each have 24 hours every day, and we've got to find a way to get it all. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All in there. And so the way to do that is priority. And I, I think that is such an important thing for people to keep in mind in order to realize their goals. That's exactly uh, right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, and so and the second thing I wanted to ask you related to your book here is um, there's a lot of people that could benefit from reading a book like that, but are you trying to target a certain particular audience, or who do you think is going to f- most resonate with that book? Yeah, it's, a, it's a very, very good question. I really think it's going to most be targeted at the underdog, right? Okay. I, I think it's going to be the, the, the person that says, you know what, I didn't finish school, got a couple of kids now, focused on a a corporate career, and I want to make a change. What's going to give me the blueprint and the courage to make that change, right? Somebody that whose background, focus, pedigree, took some blips. One of the things we didn't talk about that will be in the book is the fact that one of the turning points in my professional career was when I got fired from a technology company. They walked in one day. It was about a 150-person company, and there were boxes everywhere. And I remember telling the HR uh, lady at the time, her name was Suzanne, I can't get fired today. And she said, no, Don, this is really, this is going to be your last day. And I remember negotiating my way into an extra month of employment so that I can get my affairs in order, and I did not get fired that day. And so those kind of stories of winning independent of what someone else's reality for you may be, uh, are things that I hope will, will inspire uh, folks that, that want to make their day uh, better. Mm-hmm. That's amazing that you were able to negotiate your, your release. I, I can't think of anybody that I've ever known that it has been in that situation that has managed to accomplish that. Um, I have to say, you just brought up a really fond memory for me that I just want to share really quick. Uh, just as you were talking about getting fired, 
uh, I think the one, in, I know, I, I guess I've been fired twice, but the, the second time was I was selling life insurance when I was like 19 or 20. I really had no business selling life insurance. I wasn't good at it. I slogged <laughs> through it. I mean, really, I just, I, it should have been so obvious for me that this wasn't the right thing for me because I realized I had to wait tables on the side to pay my bills, you know, should have been so gotcha. many signs, but I bop in the office one Monday morning. My boss says, Hey, Lise, great to see you. Come in here. I've got something for you to, for you to look at. So I sit down across from him, and he slides this piece of paper across the way to me, and, and I said, what is it? He goes, it's your resignation letter. Sign it. <laughs> so <laughs> wow. uh, what, was, what was awesome about that, though, Donald, is that it never occurred to me to quit. I shouldn't have been in that particular business. I mean, it was a blessing for me because it let me go off and do something that I was much better at. But, you know, it's just you brought back that wonderful memory. And it, I wish that I would have had the fortitude, as you did, to kind of take charge of that situation and just go, you know what, this isn't working, I'm out of here. But um, you're, you're, the way you handled it was much more what we say in psychology was agentic. You made it happen. <laughs> Whereas I reacted to it, but still a fond memory for me because I, I actually celebrated when I went home that night. <laughs> Such a bad That's fit for awesome. me. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know if you felt that way, you know, once once the month got over with, but um, I sure did. Well, I, the the thing that I would add is I was glad that I didn't just buckle. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. even though even though I was losing an employment opportunity with that company, I had to leave with my self esteem, mm-hmm. and I did not like the way that it was going down. So I tried the best I possibly could to address the outcome. Well, you must be a pretty darn good salesperson. That's all I could say, Don. I, again, I don't know of anybody who gets through that. So um, it is kind of an ugly way things happened in today's corporate America where people kind of get, you know, walked off the site. So the fact that you got around that is remarkable. So um, I think it does speak something, again, to your grit, your, your perspective, and, and, and how you connect to people. Well, the the thing I would would add, and, and again, I, I appreciate that, is one, I believe that I'm special, but I don't think I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's um, part of how I was raised, part of how my family operates. And I think that the other piece to that, in terms of that my core, is I really believe that I'm supposed to win every day. Now, it doesn't always happen that way. But then I'm going to go back to the drawing board and figure out how the next day is going to be a win. And so that, that mindset, then it becomes a natural way to attack adversity versus just succumb to it. Mm-hmm. It's a natural way to push against uh, a bully in the workplace versus succumb to it. It's a natural way uh, to, to succeed versus letting that, that failure overtake. And um, it's something that's helped me immensely. And, and attitude, I think, is an overrated characteristic or underrated, excuse me, characteristic uh, in, in those people that succeed in a major way. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, related to that, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is I, I just have to believe that you have a perspective on maybe some of the common mistakes that people make that maybe get in their way of success. W- what would you say some of those things are? Yeah, if I talk and mentor with people, there are a couple that that not only come to mind but stay on the mind. Number one is you got to manage your associations. Most people have two or three friends that they love to hang out with that do not provide positive energy. And you, you've got to make that move. The second thing is most people have fuzzy goals. They really don't have documented in a game plan what they want, right? They go into a year and say, I want to earn more money instead of saying, I want to earn $100,000 a year because I want to be able to pay the college tuition for my daughter in cash, emotional and economic, right? And then the third thing is they try to do it themselves. 
They try to make a major change in their life without the advantage of someone that has been there and done that that's willing to help them. And if we really reflect on the challenges that we all face, if we could overcome those challenges by ourselves, we wouldn't be in the situation. So therefore, it's not a form of weakness to ask for help. It's actually a form of intelligence. It's a form of wisdom. It's a form of insight. And so those are a couple things that I relay to people in terms of kind of challenge areas uh, that limit people's long-term success. You know, at the risk of sounding sexist here, Donald, the fact that you're talking about asking for help from a gentleman's perspective is incredibly refreshing. Can I say that without being sexist? (laughs) You absolutely can say it. (laughs) And I'll echo it, is that guys believe we have all the answers all the time, and it is an impediment. I think it's wonderful for you as a very successful man to say something like that. It's just, I think it's so important and such a great lesson. Um, Wow, we want to echo that. So for the listeners, I hope that you're seeing, I mean, how much you're getting out of this conversation. I mean, you you could pay good money with a coach for this. So Donald, thank you for, for coming on the show. This is what I was hoping for. Well, I am uh, super excited that uh, that you thought enough to invite me. And uh, what I've found is that when you give, you get. And so I, I certainly am looking at opportunities to tell people to be better. Well, um, I, I also subscribe to that. And, and I do think that when, when you put yourself out there and, and you are, you know, working from, your, clearly you are working from your values, Donald. It's very, very clear to me that when I think about what I know for, as a researcher in meaning and work, what I hear, and that's the expression, that's all the energy that I hear in your voice, uh, you are expressing your value system and your perspective onto your work, through your work, into the community, through your, into your children. And that. It's gorgeous, and it does make a difference. I think that is how you're going to make, among other other ways, the impact you're looking for. Well, very appreciative. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, we, we're, we, we're almost ready to go into another break here, so I want to cue us up for what we want to talk about after that break here. So one of the things that I, I want you to talk about when we come back, Donald, is, is really considering you know, your, your thoughts on personal development and how you keep learning. I know you're somebody that really seems to be, you seem to take in an awful lot. You seem to be learning an awful lot. So if you would kind of stew on that for just a second here and, and let me take us to a, a quick short break here and then afterwards we'll hear what you have to say about that. But I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Donald Thompson who has been sharing lots about his early careers, his early knocks and bruises and knocks out teeth and all the things he learned from that. Stay with us. After the break, we'll learn more about some of his thoughts on personal development and learning. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. You're listening to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 561-623-9429. Again, that's 561 561- 623-9429. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Donald Thompson, who has been sharing with us very energetically a lot about his background, his past, his 
his perspective, all the things he's learned along the way. And I asked him before the break if he would consider talking about his perspective on personal development and learning. I, I feel like there's an awful lot going on there for you to get to where you are today. There has to be some sort of investment in ongoing learning for you. What is your stance on that? Yeah, I appreciate the question. And, and absolutely. I think that learning is uh, kind of a contagious element um, in, in whatever success that I've, I've had. Um, one is I'm an avid reader. And whether it is books on success, whether it is books on people skills, people management, uh, goal setting, before I began uh, to grow at a really accelerated rate in my career, I did make a conscious decision that I was going to spend as much time preparing uh, for my work, for my goals, as I did watching television, or I did going to the movies, or I did going and playing golf, that all of those extracurricular things could be available to me uh, in spades if I were to have the diligence to get myself ready to progress in an accelerated manner. So a couple of things that I do uh, and continue to do is I look for people that I admire in the area that I aspire to go into, and I read up on them. And in the area of leadership, for example, I would read books on Colin Powell. I'd read books on successful coaches. I would read books on um, Jack Welch from G. I would read about some of the uh, Internet guys, you know, um, the gentleman from fake Facebook or, uh, you know, the list would go on and on. And what I would do is I would make the conscious effort not to agree with every word they wrote and not focus on the areas that I didn't understand, but to take the golden nuggets in what I read that I could apply in my life the very next day. I think one of the things that people do when they go to seminars or they read a book or they go to a class or a course is they think that they've got to inundate themselves with everything they heard over that week or that hour. When what I would do is take the top four or five things that really resonated with me that could apply to my life the next day that I understood, and then I would attack those learning lessons with vigor. The second thing in terms of personal development that I think is highly critical, uh, and it does come back to mentorship, but it is a perspective on mentorship. Mentorship to me as a mentee was active. It means that I didn't just have a cup of coffee with a mentor. I would take notes on what they said, and I would go try what they recommended. And then I would go regroup with that mentor and understand what worked, what we need to tweak, what areas we need to continue to improve. I would seek out that feedback in addition to just the advice, but the action-oriented steps that were given, and I would apply those with vigor. And then the third thing that I do from a personal development standpoint is I'm very big on writing down the goals that I want. I'm very good at talking about the success that I want and not the failures that I'm concerned about. And that psychology, if you will, that self-talk, if you will, allows me to make sure that I stay in that positive mental attitude state and not let the naysayers, the naysayers, if you will, kind of weigh down my enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Wow, so many great nuggets in there. One thing I definitely want to pick up on, Donald, that I think that you said is so incredibly crucial, and I can so visualize this in my mind as you said this. It was gorgeous. I can totally see you sitting across the table from one of your mentors or somebody that you've sought out. I mean, you're just this bubbling, exuberant person, hungry for knowledge, sucking in all the data that you possibly can, leaning forward, scribbling furiously as you take those notes. I totally have that image. 
And the thing that I love about that is that when you think about what we were talking about earlier in the show, the importance of seeking out a mentor, if you're sitting across the table from somebody that has that kind of vigor and enthusiasm, you want to help that person because you see one, right. they're, not waste- yeah, they're not wasting your time, right? They're listening to every word you have to say. They're going to come back to you and tell you what, you, what they did to take action on the conversation. I-, I can't imagine a more engaged mentor than doing those kinds of actions. I mean, I've never heard anybody describe it quite like that, all, but that is, it's gorgeous. I find myself on the other side of that table now and when someone has that much fire and enthusiasm and commitment, right? Some people are just kind of pep rally focused, but both the enthusiasm and the commitment, you really do want to help them because you, you want, you want to see that, uh, you know, that, that flame, uh, increase and that ability for that person to meet their goals and dreams. And you just want to be a small part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, now that you are on the other side of the desk there, and one of the things that we talked about in our, in, our, in our earlier call that I thought was interesting, you made a very interesting comment, which I can't be super surprised at given what I now know about you, but you mentioned in the call that you said you're making more money now than you ever thought you needed, which I thought was such an interesting comment. Can you say more about that? What do you mean by that, and, and, and how are yeah. you earning your money? Yeah, that, that's a very... Um, yeah, and I remember <laughs> you know i got to ask, you know. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's, you know, when you're... When you leave college and you have a, a dumpy one-bedroom apartment and you're eating oodles and noodles and potatoes every way you can make a potato, fried potato, baked potato, boiled potatoes, I mean, and you just don't have a lot, your focus on what material wealth is is a little bit skewed. And I remember telling a manager I had, it. he said, Donald, what are your financial goals? And I said, I want to make $100,000 a year. And he sat back in his chair and he chuckled and he kind of rubbed his beard. He said, <laughs> that's just not enough, Donald. And I was like, well, it's enough for me, you know? And, and so what I meant by that is that, one, I always wanted to make enough money to where money didn't drive me. And that's really what I was mm. getting at. The mm. amount of money is all relative, right? There's always someone that's wealthier, right? I'm a, a member of an organization called the Young Presidents Organization, and these are presidents and CEOs all across uh, the world are part of this, this organization. And you can go to these meetings, and there's people that are running $100 million companies, billion-dollar companies, and there's all walks of life and all different income brackets. If you find yourself trying to keep up with other people, People, you'll drive yourself crazy. My focus on finances was so that I didn't wake up every day worried about the checkbook. I could chase the meaningful things in life. And that's really when I talk about more money than I, than I need, because that's where I've been blessed to get to, that I can do things based on the meaning and the money, not just the money. And I can make choices about who I work with, which is an unbelievable priceless blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, versus having to just turn the crank every day for a dollar bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the operating word there is choice. And, and so one of the things that I thought was really interesting to learn about you, um, and I don't know if you're going to blush when I bring this up, um, but okay. that, you, that you own an Indian football team. How did that happen? <laughs> Yeah, that's one of my that's my midlife crisis right there. Like some people get some people some people buy a sports car, some people you know a mountain home or something like that. Um, 
you know, I always, my uh, grandfather was a professional athlete um, for a short period of time and then a, a high school coach for a number of years. Uh, my father, I talked about as a college coach, I, I played all kinds of sports uh, up through college. And it's always a dream to own an NFL team or own a pro basketball team. But if you think about the leagues in the United States of America, it's really a closed society. The teams are so valuable. They cost so much. There's just a very limited percentage of people in the United States of America that can ever realize that part of their their dream or goal. And so I read in the Wall Street Journal about this Indian Professional Football League and Kurt Warner, uh, MVP for the Cardinals and a very successful football player and entrepreneur, was one of the largest investors. And I remember not knowing Kurt, but knowing the persona that was portrayed on TV, a good quality individual, family man, I said, smart with his money. I said, you know what, if he's involved in this, let me look in a little bit more. And I started to get to know the guys at EFLI. And basically, it's the elite football league uh, of India. And initially, they rebuffed our interest. And they said, you know what, we've got a small circle of folks and owners. And my assistant and business manager, she's more than an assistant, my business manager, Jackie, uh, got on the phone and said, you know what, you really need to talk to Don. Because if he wants into this football thing that you're doing, he's probably not going to stop calling you until you you meet with him. And so I flew to California, met with these guys, and really got caught up into their vision, not only to build a sports league in India, the business economics behind it, but really and truly the heart and soul to create another group of heroes in a country that in many ways is still growing up economically. And to be a part of that fabric through sport uh, was also intriguing to me. And so uh, about a year ago, uh, I was able to become a part of the league and the Navi Mumbai Sabres will play their first uh, game in the new league uh, in November of this year is the current plan. And so I'm uh, very, very excited, and I'm smiling as I talk about it. So that's, that's my, certainly my fun, fun business. Well, I'm really glad I asked you then. Now, how often do you get to go see a game then? So the league is very new, so they had uh, their first season uh, about 14 months ago, and then what we're doing now is we're working with building the TV contracts, the infrastructure, and season two will be this November. And so my my team is an expansion team, so it'll be its first season, and so we'll have our training camp in, in about a month or so, and we've just hired our first, uh, first coach, so we're building up to uh, our first inaugural season for, for, for my expansion team. Okay, so just a few few plates spinning then. And I know you did talk before, but I I do have to ask at this juncture, having heard all that, um, you talked about prioritization before, but this it does sound like there's an awful lot. You've got a couple of businesses going on, you're writing books, you got a football team, um, I think I mentioned you got kids. So how do you keep this all together and find balance? I mean, that is probably something people out there want to know about right about now. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is about priorities. When you're excellent at your work, you create more flexibility. So I'll give you an example this morning, right? Um, my son recently turned 15, and so I wanted to take him uh, to get his uh, driver's permit. And so he had to go in and take the test and different things. And our DMV, uh, you know, in North Carolina, it opens at, at 9 o'clock. And so it, from 9 to 10.30, we were doing that. We were talking. We were hanging out. And I just moved some scheduled events a little bit later because success breeds some flexibility, number one. Number two is it goes back to what I described earlier, is you can't do everything at once, and you can't do everything with the same intensity, and you can't do everything without great people. 
And although I may be the headliner in some of the things that I'm doing, I am very, very blessed and fortunate to have a phenomenal uh, business manager that works on all of my outside businesses. Uh, Her name is is Jackie, and she handles all those logistics for me, number one. Number two, in the corporations that I run, I've been very fortunate to hire well, so I lead tremendous people that allow me to be productive but also allow me to have a life because they're productive as well. And then the final thing is that I have made a lot of my hobbies business-related. I don't mm-hmm. play a lot of golf. I, I don't uh, spend a lot of time at, at the nightclub. I, I, I like to build uh, new organizations, and, and it's fun for me. And so while people may think it's, it's work or it sounds like work, a lot of what I'm doing uh, is just a total and absolute blessing. When I sit down and do business coaching with uh, a young entrepreneur, uh, it is just as energetic to me, uh, hopefully, as it is to them. And so it seems like work to the outside uh, kind of lens, but really it's just, uh, it's just living life and, and having a blast. You know what? That is a golden point right there, Donald. When you think about that, you've you have chosen uh, your hobbies become your business. That is, you know, the the definition of playing at work, right? I mean, that is what most that's of right. us are aspiring to do. I mean, that's just such a such another great piece of of, of advice. Um, so I think I, I think I have enough time to ask you two more questions before we have to close, and they're okay. they're related to that because I, I I think that you have so much to teach all of us, and I'm curious. I know you have three teenage kids. You mentioned one of them so far. But what kinds of things are you trying to impart to those kids? You mentioned a couple of things uh, along the way, but what, what are the what yeah, are things? You know, thank you for asking. One of them is um, make your promises carefully and keep your promises. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a very uh, key example. Is, is One of the things that my daughter, who's 19, her name's Mariah, uh, she goes to, uh, she's finishing her first freshman year, and she wants, she loves to travel. And so I had a trip planned that she could go with me, and it was to Hawaii. And I called her up, and I said, I said, Mariah, would you like to go to Hawaii? She said, when are you going, Dad? And I said, May the 1st. And she said, you know what? I would love to do it, but I told the folks that I'm going to work for over the summer that I was going to start May the 2nd. And you've always taught me to keep my word. And so we're just going to have to do that another time. And for a 19-year-old young lady to turn down a trip to Hawaii to keep her word at the part-time job that she's going to be working on over the summer, that's what I want to teach my daughter, Mariah. My daughter, Sierra, who is uh, athletic, just like my son, and wanted to, 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 she's very good in basketball, but she said, I want to try lacrosse, but I'm afraid. And I said, you know what, Sierra? Are you going to do it or are you going to let the fear beat you? She says, you know what? I'm going to go out for the lacrosse team, even though it's my first year, even though it's new. And she did it anyway. And so what I wanted to teach my daughter, Sierra, is everybody has fears, but don't let the fears dictate the decisions that you make. And so those things, or my son David playing through an injury in football or not doing really well in his math, but getting a tutor every single day for 16 weeks, until his grades were pulled up. All of us have ups and downs in our life. My job as a parent is to prepare and equip my kids to navigate those ups and downs, not make their life rosy, not make their life perfect, but give them the tools that life is not going to beat them and that they're prepared for anything that's thrown at them. And so that, that's just a couple of the examples of the kinds of things uh, that I try to impart to my kids and a couple of examples. 
Wow. I mean, what an awesome way to finish. And that will have to be our last question. Donald, so many incredible things we got from you today. I'm so glad you took the time to come into this interview. I got a ton out of it. Um, Loved all the stories. And I really appreciate you taking the time and looking forward to your book, mind you. Um, And for the rest of our listeners, thanks for tuning in this week. And remember, work is one third of our lives. So let's work on purpose. We hope that you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose with host Elise Cortez every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the W4CY Empowerment Business Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.